0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Your Gold is live and on the air for this Thursday night, February 17th, 2011. One last PG show before we close out another great week. Welcome once again to the show that covers sports, life, and everything in between. We've got a lot to cover tonight, but before we begin, my name is Joe, just business Buccino, and as always, seated in the lap of luxury, my tag team partner and co-host.
0: David Gomez, a.k.a. DG, a.k.a. Wait for it, wait for it.
2: Daily Grind.
0: Daily Grind. We have
1: reached Thursday again. One last show before we close out the week. How are you today, sir?
2: I am doing fantastic, fabulous, just wonderful. JB and yourself, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. It's, you know, Thursday. It's our, you know... It seems like the the weeks fly by. I mean, we're already closing out the week. So, you know, we've got a lot to cover, obviously, tonight. But um, as always, obviously. before we begin, let's give out that contact information, sir.
2: Folks, <clears throat> our call in line, as always, 714-364-4721, our email address. And, folks, we need the email, emails to come in. Keep them coming, PureGoldPG at Yahoo.com. You can follow us at Twitter, PureGoldPG, our Facebook, PureGoldPG. And as Evan Roberts told us on Tuesday, there's a lot of ways to contact us, folks. So please contact us, por favor. JB?
1: Thank you, DG. Today is February 17th. It's probably um, the birthday of one of the most famous NBA players I've played of all time. Some consider him the best player of all time. Today is Michael Jordan's birthday, DG. Did you know that?
2: No, I did not, actually. I had no idea that Michael Jordan shared a birthday with Pastor Ramirez. I had no clue. Oh,
1: that's right. That's right. And uh, a very special, happy and healthy birthday to Mr. Pastor Ramirez.
2: Yes, yes. As always, Pastor Ramirez is a huge, avid supporter of our show, and uh, we greatly appreciate his uh, kind support, and we wish him well on his 25th birthday.
1: 26, I believe
2: Yeah well you know nobody knows his real age
1: Did you talk to him today?
2: Actually no I didn't I left him a comment on Facebook And uh, I think there was about 857 Other people who left Facebook comments I have to admit I have never seen So many comments on anybody's page For their birthday it must truly Have been a happy birthday
1: Yeah I mean do you know what he's Actually doing at this moment right now he's not sleeping Or anything is he?
2: No, the man never sleeps. Um, I'm pretty sure that he is out to dinner with some of his uh, close personal friends. And, uh, you know, of course I had to turn the offer down because pure gold comes first, you know. I mean, this is this is it. This is my, uh, my bread and butter right here, J.B. So speaking of bread and butter, let's get down to it, J.B. Let's get down to brass tacks. Yes, sir. Folks, yeah. the week is about to come to an end. As J.B. has said multiple times, it is Thursday. February the seventeenth. It's going to be a great show tonight. Every show, every Pure Gold broadcast is a great show. We're going to have Mister Pyro Falcon joining us a little in a little while. We're also going to have our special, our other special guest of the evening, Mister John Paul Gonzalez of Four One. This man is solid gold, folks. He is going to be joining us uh, in a little while as well. We are just excited, ready to rock and roll on Pure Gold. So, JB, what shall we discuss first? Any suggestions, sir?
1: I mean, we we covered raw, but I think we rushed through it. Um, You think that we should just go a little bit more in-depth with Pyro?
2: I definitely think we should do that. But before we get to that, folks, we're going to start out a little bit different today. Um, It's a segment that we like to call Smallville View. And uh, you know, speaking of all that, before I get into our new segment, um, a little nugget that I'd like to share with uh, the PG audience, folks, finally—and I mean finally—the actress for Wonder Woman has been picked. And this is not Wonder Woman, a live-action movie, but this is actually a, a live-action TV show. Adrienne Palicki. She's on Friday Night Lights. Never seen the show, but uh, apparently she is almost six feet tall. So this is a great choice for DC's main Um I mean, for those of you who don't know, I'm not going to get into Wonder Woman history right now, but, uh, you know, with Smallville coming to an end, they decided that they needed some way to um, kind of counteract that. NBC won even though it's a different channel, but NBC wanted to capitalize on the Smallville audience because, as JB and I have discussed, Smallville's been on for 10 years, and that has been 10 solid years of good ratings, some great, some a little bit, you know, not... As great, but always solid ratings, and they're trying to keep that going. The cape sucks, so uh, they're trying to see how Wonder Woman's going to go, and they're going to green light that. But, JB, what surprises me about this is, you know, the producers of these shows and movies, they they think that fans are idiots, and they think that we can't distinguish between a movie version of a character and a television version of a character. That's basically why Wonder Woman and Batman have never showed up at all in any way, shape, or form on Smallville, even if it had been just Bruce Wayne and Diana Prince. (laughs) But, JB, we are not stupid. We know the difference. We know that with the Superman movies coming out and all the Justice League and everything that they're doing, um, we can tell the difference. But as this ties into Smallville, we have some amazing news. JB, would you like to share the huge news about Smallville?
1: Yes, I would. But first, before I share this great news, I just want to mention that I did hear it from DG as well as somebody that we ha- will have on later on the show, Mr. Pyro Falcon. He did break this news to us via the Twitter. He tweeted it to us, and uh, for for months we've been talking about it. You really can't end the show without Lex Luthor, and you know I don't know who actually got to him finally. If it was Tom Welling, if it was everybody, if it was the money, um, if it was the you know the Learjet. If it was the Lear Jets, the limos, the women, maybe some women from Sirius Radio that Evan Roberts used maybe. to work with, uh, maybe. <laughs> but uh, who knows? A, a, yeah, a certain Michael Rosenbaum has decided to come on for the last two shows. Obviously, the last show is a two-hour series finale, but that is good news for all Smallville fans that Michael Rosenbaum is back, DG, and he's back to end the series.
2: You know, we talked about this on our last show, and I was I was upset because. You know, I really thought that he wasn't going to come on. I said to myself, how can this man, how can he betray his fan base? How can he go against the grain? How can he do, you know, there was a false report coming out, actually, that he wasn't going to come on. And, uh, you know, we, us Smallville fans were not happy. We were rather livid. Um, because as fans, you know, we want to be treated with respect. You want the actors that we helped make famous, really. I mean, what was Michael Rosenbaum doing before Smallville? Other than having a full head of hair, I have no clue because he's never been in any you know great movies or anything of like that nature. I mean, he's a talented actor, no doubt. Not to take anything away from him, but it was upsetting and frustrating because you're sitting here, man, you know, we want this guy back on the show. We need this guy back on the show, and we got our wish, folks, for the last two-parter, which is a two-hour season finale, series finale. Michael Rosenbaum will be back as Lex Luthor himself, and that is huge because it's something the fans have been clamoring for for years. And J.B., this last episode of Smallville was great. We had the fake Lex Luthor, but you got to have the real thing. It's got to be the real deal like Holyfield, JB.
1: Yeah, definitely, but um, it's good to have him back. Obviously, um, you know, you grow up watching Smallville for like 10 years. You want the same actor to close out the series, so um, we could definitely get into the Smallville view, but that's the one big nugget that we want to break out to our Pure Gold audience was that Michael Rosenbaum is back, and that's great news, DG.
2: Yes sir. Uh yes it is and uh, speaking of uh, of Smallville this last week the episode we're going to this, this whole segment folks is to bring you up to speed for the rest of the season on Smallville and you know for us to get our uh, our thoughts out there but this last episode was entitled Beacon and folks I have just received word that we're going to have to interrupt the Smallville view because we have one of our guests for the evening. We have the one and only Mr. John Paul Gonzalez from 4-1 joining us. John Paul,
3: how are you doing, sir? Good. How you doing?
2: Doing great, doing great. Um, you know, this is, uh, folks, we have John Paul Gonzalez from uh, from the group 4-1. We're going to get into that. He's going to discuss what the group is and, and what he's doing. Um, you know, tell us about that, John Paul. What exactly is 4-1 and uh, how long have you been doing it?
3: Uh, how I'm gonna doing four one, wow. Um, I would say, uh I'd say, man, four one is something that I'll be honest, this guy this guy really got put on my heart, I would say about a sophomore going into junior year in college and then really began to really just uh, start to take form junior going to senior year. Um, I had an opportunity during my uh in between my junior and senior year to actually go down and play uh, play like a, like and you guys know and one a little bit like the mixtape store yeah, and yeah.
0: stuff
3: like that? Okay. Well, I got introduced to that. And it was active in like in like one of the games, and it was you know it was a great, it was a great environment, great atmosphere, that type of thing. But one of the things that uh, that I saw is just there was we were using this game of basketball, and i'm you know I'm not sure if you know like where we're from you know in Patterson and Jersey City, yeah', yeah basketball of course. Is more than the game it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. And we're using this game, and, it, and it's great. You know, don't get me wrong. It's entertainment. And, you know, people love the crossovers. They love the dunks. But it really started hitting me just in, honestly just in my mind and in my spirit that this game could be used for so much more than just getting on the front page of newspaper or just getting a rep, you know, getting respect yeah. with your game and it can be used to actually change lives. And that's something that I just really got put on my heart. And so what four one basically means is we do everything for one. And the one is is Jesus Christ because he's given everything for us and that's a that's a stance that we took. And it's my first of all it's to start with the vision I had, and then I slowly began to see that there are other players in the conference, even conference rivals like Randolph College and William Patterson and Jersey City State University that guys who shared the same vision of using ball for something bigger, something greater than just just a stat line, just a way to get, you know, overseas or in the league. And we started coming together, and we started going to places. And Our first place we went to was a was a juvenile detention center, where we played with the kids, and then afterwards we had to just sit them down and share them, share with them the hope that we had that went way beyond the game. And it was just a really beautiful thing. That, that's that's first time 401 got started, and then went out to the went out to the streets, literally to the jails, and did our first presentation.
2: No, uh, that's definitely uh, awesome to hear because. You know, the truth of the matter is the youth of today. And, you know, I'm a youth minister, so I work with a lot of kids in Patterson and, you know, from the Passaic area and stuff. And I know how it is. I know that it's not easy, um, you know, the high schools and where they grow up. So they need something to look forward to. And I mean, there's a bunch of kids in my church who love basketball, absolutely love it. You know, we've been to some of the events and stuff, and and I've seen you speak. But I wanted to, you know, again, ask that question to get a little bit more in-depth for the audience out there that doesn't know what uh, what four one is now? Aside from you, John Paul, who else is in your group? Are there any guys who have uh, played professionally or even like college stars, such as yourself?
3: Yeah, um, you know, one of the first guys I remember—I'll never forget the day. It was a it was a summer in between junior and senior in the summer. I went to Newell Colon, who was a top 25 high school player in New Jersey. Went to Rampo College and uh, went to him, brought him the idea. And he passed the idea on to Kwame Harding, who was a guard for Ambro College. Who actually, his senior year, he led the whole entire nation in steals per game. More than Division Three, Division Two, Division One, Duke, North Carolina, everybody. And then from there, they told that one of their best friends, Carlos Perez, who was actually a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles two years earlier. He played down at oh, the wow. University of Florida for the Gators, um, had a good career there, and actually was a was a wide receiver alongside of Terrell Owens. Uh, the year they went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, I believe. Um, okay. so he he joined it and then guys, you know, it just it really just started to spread. Guys from here heard about it, other guys heard about it and they're like, Hey wow, yeah, I wanna use I wanna use my you know, my ability for for something great, you know, let me know when the next thing is, let me know when the next event is. When when you go into the jail next and it just it just really started to catch on to the college levels. Um, most recently we had had Todd Lover who uh, actually, his story is crazy. He was a basketball player, at Lampo college. He uh, he went on, he just started high jumping his senior year. He won the national championship for the high jump and then never touched the football. He got picked up and he got signed to play with the Dallas Cowboys, then the New York Giants, then the Dolphins. And now he's looking back at uh, going and signing with the with the Dallas Cowboys again because Jason Garrett is the first one who recruited him. And now that Jason Garrett's the head coach of the Cowboys, he's looking to pick him yeah, back yeah. up again. And he's oh, wow. like a dunk specialist kind of thing. So it's it's been crazy just the way God has allowed just other men and women too to come alongside and say, hey, I want to use this for something more.
1: John Paul, John Paul this is uh, Joe from Pure Gold. Um, do do, you, do people call you uh, nicknamed J P G by G P G or anything? What's what's your nickname? Yeah, G P, G P, yeah, G P, uh, yeah, G P works great. Yeah, cool. Um, I was just, yeah, you know, I was just wondering because that's a long name to say. I was I, it, I was thinking it was either GPG or G, you know, GP. So, good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can you tell? Yeah. Us, can you tell us? Uh, I mean, we know that you were uh, an NCAA first All-American. Can you tell us a little bit about the
3: success that you had in college? Oh man, it was. Uh, I would it was a kind of a long road. It wasn't, you know, going in. I went to Messiah College, which is right outside of Harrisburg, um, Pennsylvania. And, you know, there's a lot of different colleges I had to choose from going into college. Um, And there was a coach there. His name was Dave Manzer. Um, And the reason I chose Messiah College was, unlike all the other colleges, and I had about 29 different colleges to choose from, he really cared about me as a person first and a player second. You know know what I mean? Like you got the coaches who were just there and – you know, they, they they you step in their office and they're talking X's and O's or stat lines and stuff like that. And this guy straight up, he's like, you know, every time you come to me, I'm going to ask you how you're doing, and then we're going right. to talk about how your game is doing. And from the start, he was just an awesome man of God. In. And so I, I went to Messiah my first year, and, you know, I was blessed. I got rookie of the year for the conference. Um, I was second in the nation in field goal percentage at around 71%. And it was it was going really well. But that year – um. You know, it's really something I did not expect. Over spring break, they fired, and that uh, was wow. that was a huge blow. For that was a huge blow for me because that he was one of the main reasons I went to the school. And you know, I you know I'm not going to say it was easy. You know, a lot of times I talk to a lot of college players, and I say if you ever think about transferring schools, it might be one of the hardest things you'll ever do um, because right. it's, it's really tough. You got to get the release. And you know the coach who was taking over for him, he really didn't want to let me go at first. It was, it was a really tough, it was a really tough time. I, I really felt, you know, I just prayed about it, prayed with my family, and I really felt that I was supposed to move on from there. Um, and so I left and I went to Montclair State University. And my sophomore year, there it's a, it's a different brand of basketball. It's, it's more East Coast it's more rugged, it's more in-your-face, you know, almost like the East, thing of the Eastern Conference, Knicks kind of thing, older guys, strong guys, a lot more athleticism than the Conference of Pennsylvania, and my first year was a bit of an adjustment. There were some, some tough times, but I'd say those times are really things that, that really brought me closer to to my relationship with God, because it really, it really tested, like, are you going to stand by what you believe, or are you going to, you know, are you just going to give up? And uh, that's when I started Montclair State, and then, you know, from Montclair State, and after my first sophomore year, junior year, you know, I put a lot of work into my game, Um, really worked on it a lot with one of my teammates. We'd get up every day at 6 a.m. and go to the gym before class, and just every day jump shots, every day ball handling, and, you know, God blessed it. And then junior year, going to senior year, and junior year is really things started taking over, um, I would say, the first, even the preseason game. You know, I remember the first preseason game we had against Stephen uh, Stephen Tech down in Hoboken. You know, I, I dropped 40, and I've never dropped that much in my life. And I was like, "Whoa, it's kind of crazy." And then from then on in, there was just a streak there where I was getting about 35, 32, and for a little while, there, I was number one in the nation in scoring. And then by season's end, I was third in the nation in scoring. And you know, it was set of Tied an NCAA record for free throws, 58 in a row um, over the course of seven wow. games. Like, it just really, you know, it really started going to another level. And I just mean thank God because he gave all the talent for it. It took a lot of hard work. And there was, it was, there was definitely some trying times. Um, uh, if, if I had to think of one thing that really shaped me um, a lot, both mentally and also physically, is we had a game going into Lincoln University, Lincoln, South Philly. And they're notorious for having a lot of good players that go on to play overseas. And they had one guy, Kyle Miller. He was actually 28, so he was an older guy. He came back and he was on the team, and he was leading the nation in scoring and also assists. And so it was basically like one against two, because at that time I was second in the nation in scoring. And it was like, you know, people were making a big deal out of it, isn't that? But what happened is a few days earlier against Keene University down in Union, I separated my shoulder. And it was like I was I was really distraught, because if you ever had an injury when you play sports, one of the hardest things is knowing what you are able to do and then injury limiting what you can do. And, like, you know what you can do, but you just can't do it. Like, the pain is too much, and your body's not reacting the way it should. And it was it was really tough, like, just the whole week in rehab and trying to trying to get ready for this game. Um, but I really it's one of those points where I really kind of had to let go and say, hey, you know what, I'm going to do my best. Got game the town. I can't stress over trying to score so many points or trying to, you know, be the man, you know, kind of thing. And you know, that game is crazy, but I, I scored fifty one. We lost, I scored fifty one and from there that kinda of carried me to, you know, being all American after that performance right there.
1: And and JP, uh you also played some uh NBA Summer League. Uh what was that experience like and what what brought yeah, that was, to an end? Was it the injury? Uh no,
3: it wasn't the injury, it was, uh <laughs> it's actually a it's going to – I'm I'm, already, I'm just going to pre-press right now and say it's, it's not going to totally make sense, but um, what happened was uh, uh, after that senior year, I was, you know, did well, got invited out there Um, after some, you know, some overseas kind of contracts were available too, but I took an extra time to finish my degree. That's one thing I said I want to do because – I finished playing in 2006, the spring of 2006, but I had until December to finish my degree. And I said, you know what, I want to finish my degree. I I could leave, you know, start looking at options that summer. But I was like, you know what, let me get, uh, you know, I want to get this done. So I took that extra time, got it done, spent the whole fall working out as well as being uh, basically a, a player's coach for the team that year, an individual instruction coach. And then the following spring, I I got invited. They were like, "Hey, you know, we see your talent, we see what you can do, and we want to take you out there." And so I went out there. It was, it was an amazing experience. Um, we had a house like maybe a block away from Venice Beach. Nice house. All the guys were inside of it, and I was blessed. I was able to do well against some of the top competition out there, um, getting probably just under about a double double. But when it came came time to um to like go further in it, to like you know look at the contracts, look at the options and they were talking about MBDL as well as some overseas possibilities. I'll be honest, I know it doesn't sound, you know, correct, it's not the way people do it, but I said, you know what, I I don't feel at peace, I can't sign the contract. Right. And, you know, people were like, What are you doing? Like, you know, I'm not gonna lie, there's a lot of people, even people close to me that are like, What are you doing? Like, take the contract. You know, this is what you work so hard for this is what and I was like, you know what, I I don't I wanna do something more with this and I Me sitting in a hotel room in Italy, Germany, you know, whatever they're going to give me and just playing basketball and doing that, I I want to be able to be more hands-on because knowing where I came from, you know, knowing where it needs help, I would feel like I'm not using my talent to the fullest just by just playing ball and, you know, making money for myself. Yeah, I can contribute back to the community, but I I want it to be so hands-on. And a lot of the agents said, you can't really do that. And I said, well, you know what, if I can't do that as much as I want to, I know you, yeah, like I probably wouldn't be a good fit for a team, you know, at this point in time. And so I went back to Jersey.
2: Okay, so, so after all that, everything you went through, that uh, that experience, you uh, you came back to your home state. Let let me ask you a question. Being that you were in the summer league and everything, have you come across any uh, any big NBA stars over the years? And, and and if so, do you model yourself and your style of play after any one player, or do you try to be, you know, as original as possible?
3: Um, I would say, um, I mean, you know, in high school, I was blessed to play on the AU team with Randy Foy, who's uh, one of the starting guards on the on the Clippers with Blake Griffin. So people are seeing him a lot more now too. Um, but you know, we played against a lot of different guys out there. Um, you know, guys, some guys are really great, Andre Iguodala, some other guys out there. But I would say myself personally, I was, uh, I was always uh, like, basically what they describe me as in college. I played, I could play inside, but I also shoot a little bit outside. So, when I was out in the league over there, they basically were saying, Hey, we want you to model your game after a shooting guard that doesn't necessarily have like a lights out shot, like say, a Lay Allen, but can do a little bit of everything well. You can post up, you're strong, you can jump, you can, you know, you can do everything well, and you can just be like almost like a role playing shooting guard. And so they okay. they would re- reuse terms as, say, Doug Christie, um, if you guys remember him. They'll use, you know, not, not, yeah. not a specialization in one area, but someone that could just go all around, be a presence and, you know, do the little things well and get, like, you know, 10 points here, 8 rebounds here, you know, couple of steals, couple of assists and just be kind of like a, a sturdy member of a team kind of thing, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, yeah. Okay.
3: Well, um, you know, speaking of all
2: that and, you know, talking about the current NBA, are there any teams being here from New Jersey, are you a Nets fan, a Knicks fan, do you, you follow any team in particular?
3: <laughs> I would say, uh, I'd say definitely the Knicks, definitely the Knicks. Um, you know, been been to a bunch of games um, this year, and uh, I really like the way they're playing. I, I mean, I'm not definitely not a bandwagon uh, jumper. My dad was a Knicks fan, so we grew up being a Knicks fan. You know, John Starks, Charles Oakley, um, Charles Smith, all those tough years losing to the Bulls. Uh, Reggie Miller, all that drama But uh, I would say definitely a Knicks fan I was going, I've been going the past couple of years I uh, know one of the managers there So he gets those tickets uh, But this year has been exciting to watch the Knicks I was actually at a, one of the, a game about two weeks ago On Super Bowl Sunday When Amari scored 41 And uh, I really like the way they're playing And I think, I think, you know, are they ready to win a championship yet? Nah, but they're, they're very fun to watch And very entertaining And I really enjoy going to games with my girl over in the garden.
2: Okay, okay, that, that definitely, uh, you know, I can I can agree with that. My brothers are huge. I like the Knicks. My brother's always been a, a lifelong Knicks fan, so I kind of get it from him. Um, do you have any opinion on the whole Carmelo Anthony thing? Do you think the Knicks are going to end up getting him, or do you think he's going anywhere? <laughs>
3: uh, maybe, maybe I'm too much of a team player. Uh, my my coach, he, I remember he always said, you know, John, John, you got to be more unselfish. Um, but I'm really into team play. I'm really into, I'm a team guy. So, me personally, when I hear the whole Carmelo talk, and I watch the Knicks the way they are right now, I love the chemistry they have. I love, you know, is Danilo maybe the best player? Can maybe Carmelo make up for Danilo and Wilson Chandler and Landry Fields? You know, maybe he possibly could. But I love the chemistry. I love the diversity they have on the team. I think where they are right now, they represent New York so well. Uh, You know, I was telling my girls the other day, like, if they got Carmelo, I feel they'd kind of almost be selling themselves out. You know, almost like the like the heat kind of did, maybe I'm seeing it like too loyal, but i uh, I really like the way they look right now, and uh you know he might fit, but I like if he's gonna fit, I think he should fit with what they have now. I hate to see them give up like a lot of the character guys they have now just to get him you know that's just my that's just my opinion though. I'm a team guy though, so I don't like doing the whole shipping guys all over the place just for one guy kind of thing.
1: Now, now, GP, we've reached the uh,
3: the All-Star break in the NBA. I'm
1: going to throw uh, five teams at you and briefly tell me what you think of each team, um, if okay. they have a shot to win the whole thing. Um, I'm going to go with my favorite team first, the Boston Celtics.
3: Mm. <laughs> they, I I think they could go very deep. They could go very deep. The, the, everyone always talks about their size, um, but even more than their size, I think their chemistry is a is a huge factor uh there's not a lot of teams out there that have been together as long and have played together have that much experience um you know well on the front line Rondo fits in perfectly um with even though he's a younger guy with their front line and uh I think it they would they're gonna be very tough to beat i would be a I would be surprised if they're not in the finals this year and not in definite contention. Okay.
1: How about the team that uh is the two time defending champions lost to the Cleveland Cavaliers last night, the LA Lakers?
3: <laughs> well I lost the Cavaliers lost. But I was just telling my kids in school about that today, how bad that looked. I don't I don't think it's a panic button yet. Um I think there's definitely a concern. I would say they might need a, they might need a trade. Uh maybe a, not a huge trade, but I think just some some help. Uh, just some guard play help. Uh, Derek Fisher is a great guard, but I really don't like, you know, Steve Blake, he contributes. But I think they need a solid, maybe a veteran guard. If they can work out something and break up, you know, and get Chauncey over there, I think that could definitely, you know, get them back in that contention. But they, Kobe needs a little bit of help. I think it's it's a little tough on them right now. And I, I they, they could make it to the finals, but I wouldn't be surprised if they got knocked out in the second round. All right. How about the um, the new big three, which I hate that I hate that they
1: call that because I'm a Celtics fan. What about the new big three down in Miami? <laughs> that's,
3: that's tough. I'm a little biased against
2: them.
3: Um, they're very talented. They're very talented. And as we all know, great players turn their game up in the playoffs. I think what's going to hurt them, though, is the chemistry. I think the chemistry factor is going to hurt them. Uh, I think it's really going to come down to them in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, I think Orlando, they've made some moves, but uh, – you know, I think between if I had put them in two categories, I see the Heat in Orlando. They, you know, they got Gilbert Arenas and Jason Richardson, and these players in the Heat with Dirk back. But I think the chemistry part is gonna is gonna come in between them a little bit. And I think, you know, I'll just be honest. I'll put this out there. I think Aaron Spolstra, Aaron Spolstra, he's a, he's a good coach, but I think more than anything, he's just uh, he's kind of just there to be you know, the acting coach. I think the really coaches are the ones on the floor, Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, and I think that's going to hurt when it comes to crunch time and you don't have a veteran, legitimate coach that the players' respect. And it's it's going to hurt in those close playoff games where you need that type of leadership on the sidelines to make those key substitutions and call those key plays and key timeouts that can change the course of a game. Doc Rivers has it. Phil Jackson has it. I don't think the Heat has it.
1: Yeah, I agree with you, and it looks like Orlando actually got softer with that trade. I mean, everyone
0: was blown away with the trade
3: they made. It looks like they got softer. Yeah, yeah. I think they definitely were trying to appease Dwight Howard, but yeah, Yeah. I think you're right about that.
1: And uh, finally, the surprise team, not the surprise team of the West, but the team that's leading the West right now with only nine losses. What do you think about the San Antonio Spurs?
3: (laughs) Wow, the Spurs, they're, they're surprising me. I mean, I'm watching them, and they're winning, and they're winning, Um, and they're they're continuing to do it. I guess the only one reservation I have with them is kind of like, you know, like I said, a lot of people sometimes, it's just about how hot you are, especially in April. And uh, maybe they found the fountain of youth down in San Antonio, and they can keep these guys regenerated, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to keep up this pace and then go deep into the playoffs, those hard playoff series, seven games, you know, six games, with the type of, you know, with the type of, you know, kind of kind of age they have on that team. I would I would be very surprised. Um, they're looking great right now, but usually they, they start off kind of slow. They're, they're not bad, and they usually turn to another level in the playoffs, but they're not, like, pissed like, outstanding. It makes me think a little bit, I'll be honest, I'm a Seattle Sonics fan at heart. I love Sean Kemp. I love Gary Payton. And I remember they'd have those years where they'd have the best record in the NBA, but then come the playoffs, they'd get knocked out early. And I I don't wanna put anything on them but I could kinda of possibly seeing that happen to the Spurs. Thank well, you, G P.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, John Paul, for your uh, you know for your take. We we greatly appreciate you joining us here on Pure Gold and uh, you know being able to talk a bit about Four One and obviously what God is doing in your life and what you've been able to do. So, you know, we wish you much success with that. We wish you uh, anything else that may be coming your way. Obviously, you know, may may that go well for you also. Um, before we let you go, though, how can the fans uh, keep in touch with you and follow what Four One is doing?
3: Oh, definitely. We'd love for them um, to keep in touch and, you know, be able to come out to different events, whether it's an open run, um, even if they want to get involved. Um, I'd say the best way to keep in touch with us is going to the website, which is the number four, um, a dash, and then O-N-E, basically one spelled out, dot O-R-G. So it's the number four, a dash, one spelled out, O-N-E, got O R G and right there they can see clips of tax events, they can see um, you know, our calendar. They can email us personally. We've had a lot of guys email us and say, Hey, I wanna get involved and, you know, hey, I wanna start um I want to come with you to the jail. I want to see what you do. I want to, you know, I want you to come to our schools or come to our town or, you know, come to our college. When we do the college tours coming up this spring and we've got a lot of good feedback and a lot of things, you know, connections have been made that way. So I think go on there, um we're on Twitter, um at four one org. Um, and also on Facebook, too. So that's, those are all three different ways that they can stay in touch and contact us and you know also get involved in the movement.
2: That's great. That's great to hear, and hopefully the fans will be able to, to get in touch with you and follow you. John-Paul, we thank you very much for taking some time out, and, again, we wish you much success in the future.
3: All right. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Better. brother.
2: Take care. Folks, that was John-Paul Gonzalez. GPG or GP, whatever, uh, you know, Joe was calling him before. Uh, that was a uh, great interview with him. We, we really appreciate him taking the time out. And that interview, folks, was brought to you by Design & Stitch. You're looking to promote your business, school, church, or team. Contact Design & Stitch for all of your screen printing and embroidery needs. Make sure you mention Pure Gold for 50% off all setup charges. We are located at 194 Atlantic Street in Hackensack, New Jersey. Contact them at 201 488 Thirteen, fourteen, 14, or visit them at design-n-stitch.com. JB?
1: All right, it's 1033. It's time for our sports update. Welcome in Mr. TJ Todd Johnston. Good,
0: Good evening, Todd, How everybody. You doing, sir? Thank you for having me again tonight. Doing very well, gentlemen. Uh, in NBA action, the Bulls lead the Spurs with under two minutes to play in the second city at a score one hundred three to 92 Mavs and the Suns set the tip off any moment now on TNT. In the NHL, the Lightning gets struck six to two in a final. The uh, the Bruins bully past the Isles six to uh, three. Blue shirts hold out win four three in a shootout. Ooh. Predators lead the Canucks with under two minutes yeah, with under two minutes to play. The Canadians are tied with the Oilers with uh, four minutes to play before the break. Thrashers and Coyotes also tied. Three minutes to play until the break. The Caps and the Sharks set the face off. (laughs) (laughs) Now, That's your sports update. JB? Uh, Yeah,
1: obviously there's no basketball scores because we've hit the all-star break, so thank you for those NHL scores. But before we let you go, as always, it's now 1035. It's time
0: for Todd's Take. Todd, take it away. So I actually changed what I was going to talk about about eight minutes ago. I was watching Daily News Live, and uh, they were showing Mets training camp, and they were talking uh, to Jason Bay, and I couldn't help think about Jason Bay and what he did to this franchise last year with his concussions. And then we started thinking about concussions. There seems to be a lot of discrepancy in professional sports in the diagnosis and treatment and recovery time in regards to concussions. I mean, Sidney Kid Cosby has been on the bench since January 6th. And as of yesterday, he still doesn't know if he's going to play again this season. I mean, doesn't hockey go until like like May or something like that? I mean, that's a long time to be, no, I'm not sure if I'm going to play again. Uh, Carlos Delfino, the, the Bucs, has missed, missed 32 games. Jason Bay was out July 30th and didn't even resume baseball activity for almost three weeks, but he still never returned. I mean, the average NFL player only misses about 4.75 days uh, after being diagnosed with a concussion. Now, granted, that statistic has changed a lot as of this year. Is that because of the impending CBA? Who knows? It might be a bargaining tactic. I don't really know. Football's a violent game. I mean, that's understood, Well, I mean, in this in this one man's opinion, I mean, he thinks that uh, the other major sports are maybe milking it a bit. That, of course, is just a fan perspective, and the medical perspective probably leans more towards uh, erring on the side of caution, which may be the right thing to do. But just as always, you can consider yourself taken. I'm Todd Johnstone. JB. Todd, I I
1: actually thought it was 4.76. So thank you for clarifying. That's (laughs) 4.75. (laughs) Good one, JB Good night, (laughs) Todd Thanks, guys Thank you Folks, Todd's take was Okay, thank you, DG Todd's take was brought to you by Bikram Yoga Bikram Yoga is an amazing 90-minute class Scientifically designed to work every part of your body Come in and try it with our no-commitment introductory offer Of $20 for the first week of unlimited yoga Bikram Yoga, Bay Ridge, located on 5th Ave and 83rd Street in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. For more info, visit their website at that's Bay Ridge, one word, dot com. Remember, you're never too old, too late, and never too sick to start from scratch once again. And when you go into Bikram Yoga, please mention Pure Gold. DG.
2: Speaking of pure gold, we are about to get into another segment that is salad gold, folks. We have Mr. Pyro Falcon on fire with Pyro. Sir, do you smell what pure gold is cooking tonight?
4: Uh, Yes, I do. And it smells like success.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Sir? We need to get right into this. We we didn't even touch on it today in our uh, our usual Thursday conversation before the show. Tell us about Monday Night Raw, your opinion, your take. I mean, I read it on Online onslaught, I know that Joe did. But for our listening audience, did you get to SmackDown late on your uh, Monday night when The Rock came back for the first time in seven years?
4: You know, it, it's been so long since i've actually felt something from professional wrestling and uh monday i felt the chills go up and down my spine when just you know that opening if you smell and and that's all you need you don't even need the music you don't even need to see them just hearing those first three words you just feel the chill you feel uh like rock always says some electricity in the air and you just know that something special is going to happen and of course over the last 20 minutes of the show um something special very, uh did happen several times did um, yeah,
0: was...
1: sorry about that D.G. No,
4: that's alright you're
0: that's... used to doing... i was just I'm going... used to doing that.
1: yeah thanks i was just going to say um this opens up a a huge window of possibilities uh pyro i mean like the biggest question is 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 the rock going to wrestle
4: Oh, man, I hope so. Um, It's weird with him because a few weeks ago he had said on Twitter or Facebook or something that uh, he would never wrestle again, but don't be surprised if uh, he shows up on WWE uh, TV or something to that effect. So he's on record insofar as much as Twitter or Facebook can be on the record. He's on the record of saying he'll never wrestle again. But the thing is, if you remember, uh, 13 years ago, well, 14 at this point, you know, Bret Hart said that he would never be in WWE again, he'll never come back, and, you know, he winds up having a match at WrestleMania 26. It was, you know, a kind of a crappy match, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. So The Rock saying he'll never wrestle again. I mean, yeah, you know, you don't know. He might have even meant it at the time, but uh, if he was, serious about what he said on Monday that he'll never go away that he's here for the fans then he won't be able to ignore those one more match chance and um especially with all the setup he's doing against Cena I really hope he gets in the ring in that match whether it's a WrestleMania or some other pay-per-view is going to go over so huge and uh every all, all the fans will love it so you know he he says he won't but I don't know. Bret Hart can come back after thirteen years and hug Shawn Michaels. I think pretty much anything can happen in the WWE.
2: Yeah, that that's definitely a good point because the fact of the matter is the Rock The Rock's not fifty five. I mean, he's not even forty yet and he looks in amazing shape, better than when you left. And all those years of not wrestling, the fact is that when The Rock was there, he was never injured, that I can ever remember The Rock wasn't out. The only time he was out was when he had some type of, like, pectoral surgery, but that wasn't even, that was more cosmetic than anything else. So he was always healthy, he's done all these movies, he's still relatively young, his body has not had the wear and tear on, that, let's say, a Triple H has had, or even Austin when he was wrestling. I think the only guy who's really going to stay retired forever is going to be Shawn Michaels, unfortunately, but... I'd love to see The Rock come back. I mean, cena it's just too big of a payday to, to pass up, and it would be an electrifying match, pun intended. I don't think they can do it for, for uh, WrestleMania, but my question is this. If they were going to do it for SummerSlam, let's say, you know, to build up that pay-per-view because The Rock can go do movies and come back... um what do they do with Mania? I mean, is Cena going to lose against the Miz? Is The Rock going to be the special guest referee? I mean, what the hell did The Rock actually mean when he said, I'm never leaving, I'm home, and all this other stuff? What do you think, Pyro? Yeah, you
4: know, that's the thing. I don't know, and that's what I like. Because we, we as wrestling fans, have come to expect a certain uh, – ebb and flow to the way stories go um, and, and different matches that come up and the, even matches themselves are formula nowadays. The fact that I don't know what's going on is really, really exciting to me. Um, the worst-case scenario is that The Rock is uh, was just paying lip service to the fans, that he isn't ever going to be in the ring again. And in my um, article for Online Onslaught, I had said that if that winds up being true, if The Rock is, you know, one and done – then he's going to lose some credibility. And since I wrote that, I think I've changed my mind because Rock uh, can't lose credibility at this point. He is one of those guys, he could probably screw us over as fans, but then disappear <laughs> for five years, come back, and we'd still love him anyway. Um, but after what he said, uh, he made a lot of implications that he's you know, going to be a part of the company for a while at least. And you know, I don't know if that means he's going to suddenly become a GM somewhere. I don't know if that means he'll write for WWE.com, or best case scenario, he's actually back as a competitor. Even if he works a uh, like Shawn Michaels or Undertaker-like schedule, I mean that's better than what we've got going now. And with uh, and and like you said, he looks great. He you know he's still really jacked up with his muscles. He could. I'm sure he can bang in the ring, and there's no reason for him not to do it unless he really just doesn't want to take the risk or something like that. I mean, I don't know. I I actually can't even think of a good reason for him not to do it. So I, I'm right. really hoping he does. I really do.
1: Now, I, I think you hit on it on your in your article, Pyro, but um, two things that I want to mention to you, and uh, maybe you could explain to our audience a little bit more in depth, is that you know, The Rock basically emasculated John Cena. You know, which is the <laughs> WWE's biggest star right now. He basically, you know, made fun of the whole "you can't see me" bit, and that was great. So now, you, you you plant the seeds for potentially John Cena going heel finally. I mean, we've talked about it many times, where the WWE probably missed an opportunity where they could actually make John Cena heel. Now they actually have a, another great opportunity. And they might actually capitalize on it. And what do you think about the chances of now John Cena now going heel with you know him against The Rock?
4: I think the chances are better than ever that he will turn. I'm just not convinced they will let him turn. Um, you know, I, I'm hoping they do, but you were right. I mean, in The Rock basically, in about five sentences, did to John Cena's character what all of WWE and Cena himself were unable to do for the past five, six, or seven years. Um, Cena has become a cartoon of himself and he what he needs to do to freshen himself up is to just embrace beating a heel to, you know, start doing whatever he needs to do to be a bad guy, even in this G-rated environment that WWE insists on putting on um, and he needs to start I mean, you know, I I don't really know how he can do it, at least not in the short term because um, like in the Sunday he's got the Elimination Chamber match you can't really bring in uh, weapons or whatever to get some cheap heat. But he's got to do something. And if if WWE insists Randy Orton is the number one good guy, and it seems the same, most fans agree with that, Cena should do whatever he can to pick on Orton to do cheap heat to, I don't know, just to do anything that is, you know, the stereotypical heel. It, it can only help his character at this point. Um, I I saw that what was really interesting during the uh, rock promo, um, we we all know that Cena's main fan demographic is little kids and girls. And, uh, but during the rock promo, although there were a few little kids booing the rock um, who were literally too young to even know what the rock stood for 10 years ago, even the girls kept their mouths shut. They knew their role. And, so, you know, the the crowd was so overwhelmingly pro rock and anti Cena that I think even the women, even Cena's, you know, hardcore fan base is starting to crumble. And he you know, he either he turns heel and embraces it or he's gonna flounder in obscurity and become completely irrelevant to pro wrestling in the next at least the next few weeks up until Mania.
2: And that's fantastic. You
4: know, he needs to step aside and let someone else have a shot.
2: I definitely agree with that. I guess my whole problem is that I think about it from Vince's perspective, and he's been such a cash cow, that A, I don't know why he would let the Rocks cut that promo on him if there's not going to be any follow-up. That's the first thing. B, I don't know um, if he really wants to turn Cena heel. All the the real hardcore fans want it because it would freshen him up. You know, the three of us – you know, the Rick, even Evan Roberts, who was on, uh, talking about how terrible John Cena was, if if The Rock is able to pull this off, and then they they pull the trigger on this, the fact of the matter is that Cena would be amazing. I mean, what he could do easily just to get some heat, let's say, this wouldn't make sense in terms of mania, but um, he could cost Jerry Lawler the match on Sunday. I mean, he could just go out there and give him the FU, not the attitude adjustment, but give him the FU and cost him the match. And basically, uh, you know, wh- whomever wins the Elimination Chamber, even if it's not um, Cena, that would set up a Rock-Cena type of feud. And then you could even insert somebody like John Morrison to win the Elimination Chamber and go after the Miz and keep that going because the main event, by far, obviously would be Cena-Rock. Now, I'd love that. That would be a best-case scenario. And the truth is that the Rock can get even get injured in a match and continue to act because... You know, he can still do both at the same time. He can do his movies. He can do whatever he has to, take time off. You mentioned The Undertaker. Well, the fact is, Taker never wrestles because Taker's always hurt. And he comes out for Mania, and then he's out for nine months, and then he comes back again. So, I mean, The Rock could do one of those schedules, but, man, to see John Cena, The Rock, in a match, SummerSlam or WrestleMania, that would absolutely blow the roof off whatever building they held that event in.
4: Absolutely, um, and, and you're right that Cena hasn't turned heel yet because he's a cash cow. Um, he even said himself in an interview a few years ago that the reason he isn't a full-on heel is because of the money-making thing. I mean, they don't, the WWE does not want to alienate little ch- uh, little kids um, because Cena means so much to them. Uh, you know, with all of his Make-A-Wish Foundation efforts and everything. They don't want to suddenly turn the kids off to seeing him, which I think is, it's like I've got mixed feelings about it. I mean, he, you know, it's great that he's such a great guy, but on the other hand, you know, the WWE's core product should be its own product, which I know sounds weird, but it's like what WWE should be concerned about is putting on a good show, putting on good wrestling, putting on good stories, and, you know, as great as the Make-A-Wish Foundation is, you know, a little kid's wish could be to see any of the wrestlers. You know, it could be to see The Rock if he's back permanently. So I, I don't think WWE should be so overly concerned about the extracurriculars. What they need to worry about is putting on the best possible story that will appeal to the most number of fans. And right now, that would mean turning Cena heel and having The Rock kick him all over the ring.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point. I mean, go ahead, DG.
2: No, sorry, I just wanted to say one thing. Um, you know, the fact is that what what Rock did on Monday was amazing. We loved it. It was one of the best segments in Raw in years, and there's just no doubt about that. But did The Rock basically show us how crappy the current product is? And if it's just a one-and-done and he shows up at Mania, what does that say about the WWE, that they can get The Rock back for one you know, two-time thing and then that's it? I mean, well, let's be realistic here. Is The Rock, you know, is that promo just going to be a microcosm of how wonderful wrestling was in the Attitude Era and how terrible it is right now?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, even if even if our best-case scenario happens and we see Rock Cena at WrestleMania, Rock's uh, promo at Raw did just show how stupid wrestling has gotten. I mean, you know, even if Rock is back permanently, he's not going to save the WWE. You know, WWE is a shell of its former self. It's a joke. It is relegating back to its uh, circus era roots. Um, You know, it's not interesting anymore. And the problem with having the Rock show up, uh, as weird as it is to say, is that if he doesn't show up next week, you know, because, you know, he he may be a lock for mania, but we don't know whether he's going to be showing up every week on Raw until then. Um, Yeah. Whenever Rock isn't there, we're gonna notice just how lame it's gotten. Uh, you know, some of the guys can can cut promos and are entertaining, like you've got the Miz. You know, but overall, just the, the the company overall is just so bland anymore, and it stinks. And yeah, The Rock reminds me of it. Um, or you know, The Rock doesn't remind me of blandness. He reminds me how good it could be. I. I Actually, I remember uh, a uh, few years ago when uh, The Rocks DVD came out, um, I picked it up, and I wound up watching all of it, including the extra features where it shows them cutting a few random promos. And after it was over, you know, the next time, I, I think I watched it on a Monday evening, and then I tuned into Raw, and Raw just seemed completely just flat. And uh, that's a few stronger words than flat, but that's the only one I can use here on PG. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and that night I actually read the re, uh, some of the things in the forums and they were talking about how good of a show it was and it was decent and all that. And I'm just like, no, it wasn't. It was horrible. And, you know, seeing The Rock in action, seeing the highlights from the Attitude Era, it's like, wh- why do I still watch? It's, it's I don't know. It's weird. I don't, I don't know why I uh, can't get off the drug. but your uh, guest on Tuesday had talked about that, that wrestling is – Kind of like a drug that we're hoping to kick, and the way it is now, most weeks in and out, I do wonder if I can kick it someday. But you know, But you know, we're right. fans for this kind of thing with the Rock coming back, and you know, e- even if he does nothing except you know the bare minimum amount of effort at WrestleMania 27, um, you know, it'll be worth tuning in for that.
1: Now, Pyro, given all the fact that, given all the things that happened on Raw this past Monday. You know, not only with what happened with The Rock and, you know, him calling out John Cena, but also uh, take into consideration Miz's promo about mentioning Jerry King Lawler and his mom passing away and using that potentially as an excuse. Give us right here an exclusive, right here on Pure Gold, give us what's going to happen at the Elimination Chamber. Tell me who wins the WWE title match and who wins the Elimination Chamber match.
4: Ooh. Well, um, I know who I want to win it, um, who I would want to win. I would love to see Jerry win the match, go into WrestleMania, but he'd have to face a heel, so that would probably put CM Punk to win the Elimination Chamber. Um, Waller Punk would not exactly be the, you know, would not exactly put butts in the seats. But, again, if, if we're going by the best-case scenario, we'll have Jerry beat Miz, and then CM Punk can beat everybody in the elimination chamber that would put, you know, Punk versus uh, Waller for the title, then you can have Cena and Rock. uh, You can have Cena and Rock against each other, and, you know, all problems would be solved. But in WWE, I think, I don't know. Um, First of all, for the first question, I don't see Waller walking into WrestleMania with the title. But the more I think about it, especially with the Waller's mom passing away, I just have a feeling that Lawler is going to win the title. He's just going to lose it the next night on Raw, or maybe the night the week after that. I just, no matter how I approach it, I cannot see you know the number two match or even number one match of WrestleMania having Jerry Lawler as one of the participants. It just doesn't click right with me. So I think Lawler will win at this point because you know why not? But I, I I don't think he's walking into WrestleMania with the title. I, I think he'll win it, and then Miz will invoke his rematch clause the next night on Raw, and then Miz will win it back or something like that. Um, as far as the Elimination Chamber goes, considering what The Rock said, I don't see uh, I don't see Cena winning, because even if Cena you know if Cena wins, he gets the title shot, and then Rock can't really do anything with him unless he wants to interfere or be a guest ref, and I just something tells me Rock has something bigger planned than just being the guest referee of one match. So, man, but that still leaves five other guys. I don't know. It's, well, R-Truth won't win it. Uh, Morrison won't win it. Who does that leave? That leaves, Sheamus, he won't win it. Um, that leaves, Orton and Punk. You know, uh, let me think. Considering WWE likes, uh, I've heard Orton Undertaker for a match, and Undertaker's of course, coming to Raw, and, you know, Orton calls himself the Legend Killer, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I hadn't really thought about that. That's pretty sad. But, okay, I, I guess if I was a betting man, I would sadly give it to Orton because uh, Orton's been in the title hunt this last year, Cena hasn't been, and now Cena has The Rock to deal with, and CM Punk keeps getting buried, Seamus keeps getting buried, and Truth and Morrison won't get it. So yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go with Orton to win the
2: Elimination Chamber, unfortunately. That's definitely horribly unfortunate. Um, I keep hearing rumors on the internet that maybe Triple H is going to be retiring this year against The Undertaker and fighting him and getting revenge for Shawn, and you know, 10 years since the last time they fought at WrestleMania. Um, I tell you, if they could somehow pull off Triple H against Undertaker, and then Rock against Cena, I think any other match on that card would be rendered irrelevant. And I don't even mean that in a negative way, but Rock Rock against me would would be, you know, sell out WrestleMania. It doesn't matter what. You could put Morrison Miz, you could put Jerry Lawler against uh, James Ross. It doesn't matter. The fact is that that would be monster. And do you think there's any chance that Triple H is going to be uh, fighting Taker. I mean, I know we're going to get into this later because obviously we have more, uh, more of these little sessions to go. But do you think that that Triple H is ever coming back? And tying in with that, two twenty one eleven is upon us. It's obviously the Undertaker. Do you think there's anybody else outside that stupid house, or is it just the Undertaker being weird and being in two places at once?
4: I don't know what they're doing with that whole thing. Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't really put much uh, stock into those, um, I don't know what you call them, um, you know, the video packages, the hype videos. I don't really put much stock into them. I, I don't know. Unless the whole thing is some sort of massive, weird, bizarre reverse tease and Sting's is going to wind up walking out along with Undertaker or something crazy. I, I think it's just, you know, some art director going a little nuts with his, you know, 10 seconds of fame on a video package. I, I think the video is meaningless. I really do. Uh, um he might Undertaker might try to say something about that with the house he grew up in or whatever. I, I don't know. I, I just I, I put no stock into it whatsoever. Um I think it's just a silly little video that has no meaning to anything. But as far as um Triple H goes, I know Triple H will be back. I mean he he can't stay away. This is a guy who uh has also gone on the record of saying he's never gonna leave it, but uh, Triple H seems to be the one guy who actually is going to keep his word about that, about never leaving WWE and always being a part of it. I see um, Definitely. Triple H as being one of those guys who's going to stay in it way too long, and he's going to wind <laughs> up uh, breaking down eventually, uh, way after, you know, like he, he'll be the next Hogan or Flair or something. And, and, you know, I actually do mean that in kind of a good way because um, I'm one of the few of the so-called internet wrestling community that, uh, does not dislike Triple H. I think he's a fine guy. I think he does well whenever he's there. I don't see him going yeah. away. I mean, he he may be hurt and he may uh, contemplate retirement. But even if even if Triple H comes out says he retires and does the whole Ric Flair going away thing, I think he'll be like Ric Flair and just get right back into it after another year or two off. You know, he, he's not going away. Um, but I haven't heard anything more specific about when he's coming back. So for all I know, he'll be back next week with Taker too. You know, you never know. I find it odd if Triple H is fine, you know, healthy, and he doesn't come back in time for WrestleMania because Triple H has been rumored to be coming back all the way since uh, Survivor Series, I think, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I figure Triple H will come back soon, um, real soon, before WrestleMania. And in fact, if he comes back uh, this Monday or next Monday, um, he'll have enough time to to uh, establish some sort of feud with either Undertaker or Sheamus. Because you know, if Undertaker, no matter who Undertaker faces at WrestleMania, anyone can challenge him for the streak, and the storyline writes itself, and you don't need months and months of build up. And um, if uh, Triple H comes back soon and wants to feud with Sheamus. You know, that storyline has written itself. It's been written for a year. Uh so, you know, there, there's little build up that needs to be done for that too. So yeah, I'm I, I'm looking forward to Triple H coming back. I don't see why he wouldn't unless he's gotten hurt again and we don't know it. Maybe he got hurt on the chaperone or he got run over by
2: the bus. It's <laughs> always possible that he got hurt on the set of the chaperone. But as always, Pyro, <laughs> we appreciate your time. And we will be talking to you next Thursday, sir, if, if, uh, you know, your schedule permits, you know, busy man that you are, we'll talk to you soon. Uh, All right. Thanks guys. Thank you, sir. Well, that was on fire with Pyro. JB, now that we have, uh, our wrestling talk out of the way and our basketball talk, can we go back to Smallville View?
1: Yeah, we can. Sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for, uh, you know, giving me permission, um, Folks, as always this has been an action packed show and we need to get back to the action packed show, Smallville. Um Pyro broke the story about Michael Rosemont, we covered that at the beginning of the show. But this last week's episode was entitled Beacon and Martha Kent returned. The infamous the wonderful Martha Kent. Um JB, any thoughts on uh on Big Mama coming back?
1: It was definitely good to see, you know, Martha Kent return back to the uh the farm so sort to of speak, and uh, you know, basically give some more reasoning why she came back. Uh you know, the last couple episodes she hasn't really, you know, explained herself and I thought she did a good job they did a good job with her this this episode.
2: I I definitely agree with that. I mean it's always nice to see Martha back. Um You know, unfortunately, they only have her back that one episode. I don't think she'll be back again. But, you know, I always thought that in her case, they should have kept her on in a recurring role and not maybe not a regular, not every episode doing her thing. But to come back twice in, like, four years is, you know, kind of stupid books. You know, whatever. It's TV and she's busy. Um, Speaking of all that coming back, Lionel Luther finally made his uh, presence known to everybody. It was great seeing Lionel because I honestly feel that uh, with him being gone and, of course, Lex being gone, Smallville has lacked a a villain, a real villain that has the gravitas to pull off, you know, standing up to people. And Lionel, when he was good, you know, it's a testament to John Glover as an actor. He did a great job as a good guy, he did a great job as a bad guy, but he was always suited for that evil, you know, father role. And he came back, told off Oliver, and, you know, basically stuck it to him, got LexCorp back at a bargain, which is great. He's he's in charge. And he also was uh, trying to infect the Alexander clone with his hatred as well. Uh, JB, break that down for us.
1: Yeah, it was great to see Lionel back because he was one of the characters that I really enjoyed, and um, it was great to see him back in, in all his uh, venom, you could say, because, you know, the last couple episodes when before he died, he was like, you know, in wrestling terms, he was a face, and now he's full-blown <laughs> heel again. He's full-blown yeah. heel again where he belongs because uh, the guy's a great actor, obviously, and um, it's just good to see Lionel back. And especially since the series is ending, I'm glad that he'll be there, you know, in the series finale.
2: Yeah, definitely. He's been in a couple of episodes, uh, you know, so it's good to see that. And he's got a few more on his plate. They're also going to bring back Jonathan Kent for one more episode. um, Another character that I thought never should have been killed, but, you know, I can go on a rant about that for a whole hour. Um, Now, you know, dealing with the whole Alexander thing, it, it seems like they're going the Superboy route with him. And what I mean by that is, you know, he's a mixture of Clark and Lex because... At the end, when Tess tried to stab him with whatever she was trying to stab him with, the needle bent, just like it happened to Superman. That's the route that they went with the newest Superboy, Connor Kent, in the comics. And uh, I believe they're going the same route with with, uh, Alexander because, you know, what else is he there for? What else can he do? You know, Lex, uh, sorry, Tess was trying to save him, but really she tried to kill him. And I thought it was interesting that, um, you know, at the end of the episode, they ended it that way and he had no clue what was going on. Uh, JB, thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that that was very interesting. I did not think that that would happen. Uh, the fact that it did happen, you you, know, you definitely break up. A, you bring up a good point that you know they're probably going the route of you know Superboy, which would be an interesting route to go. Um, but you know, other than that, I think they're just going to try now. Well, they've already obviously wrote in the storylines, but I think that you know when when Michael Rosenbaum comes back as the real Lex Luthor, that that'll be the truth you know, that would be the true, real test on where they're going to go with that character.
2: Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, folks, it was a great episode of Smallville. One of the best by far, I would have to say. Um, you know, last week's episode, I know you liked it, Joe, but a couple of people didn't like it. And I mean, not not the week that just passed, but the week before that. Um, but this one, Beacon, was definitely good. It was great to see Martha. It's nice to see Chloe back. I honestly think, Joe, uh, maybe you can comment on this before we uh, wrap up our Smallville View segment. I honestly think that, you know, Michael Rosenbaum made a comment that they're finally going to show Lex for what he is and being Clark's arch nemesis. I think the only way for this show to go down, um, he's got to kill Chloe, and obviously he can't kill Martha, but maybe kill Lionel again, kill the clone, kill Chloe. He's got to kill somebody. He's got to show he's a maniacal villain and he can just, you know, take it to Superman because... uh, You know, Clark throws on the suit and everything, and I can't see the show ending any other way, because why else would they bring back Michael Rosenbaum if he's not going to do something just buck wild?
1: He's definitely got to do something. He's Lex Luthor, so I could actually, you know, you mentioned names, and I think killing off Chloe would probably make the most sense to me. Then Superman or Clark Kent would be on his own. You know, basically he's, you know, that, that depressed character, you know, that depressed superhero that's all alone, you know he has a, obviously a fiance in Lois, but um, you know obviously. I think to, I think obviously they're not going to kill Lois off, but I think it makes yeah, sense it to can't. kill Chloe off.
2: It definitely does, and I'm actually hoping they do. I I hated Chloe at first, and I liked her. Now I'm back to disliking her again. But she she's not really a character in DC continuity, and there's no you know I don't know if you remember, but there was an episode with the Legionnaires, the guys from the future, where they talked about how Chloe was. They didn't know who Chloe was. And that alone tells me that maybe their whole thing was uh, was to try to make it so that Chloe is somehow written off at the end of the show. And I'm hoping uh, that's the case, sir. But uh, you have uh, another comment, sir?
1: Yeah, I just want to mention that now that we have this uh, segment called Smallville View, I know that will definitely appeal to more listeners. And I know there are some listeners that listen to us just to support us. But it would be great to take some calls. Uh, while while we do this Smallville View and get, you know, some, some fans' perspective and point of view as well.
2: Of course, of course. It's always great to get the fans' perspective and to see what they think because, after all, you know, they make this show the greatest show on earth, which is, you know, quite frankly what it is. But, um, JB, before we close out the show, is there anything else that you would like to share with the Pure Gold audience?
4: Well,
1: I know we're in the overrun once again, folks, and, uh, you know, that's always... A- That's always a good thing because, you know, we had a great show. I just want to, uh, you know, thank our two guests. Um, I know D.G. will too, but on my behalf, I just want to thank Evan Roberts and John Paul Gonzalez for coming out to Pure Gold. Uh, Another solid gold week, as you would say, D.G., or as John Paul would say, I guess. Um, You know, we covered a lot this week. We had a good weekend. Uh, Hopefully you have a good weekend, and obviously I will talk to you Tuesday.
2: Obviously, sir. I have a feeling that we'll talk before Tuesday. But, uh, you know, folks, next Tuesday, February 22nd, we will have Mr. Justin Labar of WrestleZone.com and Chair Shot Reality joining us for a special segment. Uh, you know, we're going to have him as our as our guest that day. We're going to get his thoughts and uh, see what he thinks about what's shaping up to be an interesting WrestleMania. We'll see what happens in terms of the Elimination Chamber, and we'll get into all that with el uh, 11 you know, the, the night after. So it should be definitely good. Folks, a special thanks to John Paul Gonzalez of 4-1. I'd like to thank Pyro for another great on fire with Pyro segment. You can catch him at com. Thanks to our, uh, you know, our producers, Fitz, the man, the myth, the legend. I'd like to thank Todd for our sports update, and of course, the one and only Todd's take. Uh, we, before we go, I'd like to wish again, Pastor uh, Ramirez. Uh, Happy birthday, 25, 30, however old he is, we're not sure. Possibly nobody knows. And, of course, folks, I cannot forget our one and only board hop, Kelly, the lovely Kelly. Mm -hmm. Remember to tune in next Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Woo! And, folks, before I finish, we'd like to thank Design & Stitch and Become Yoga for sponsoring this show. Beautiful as always. For JD, this is DG and Pure Gold reminding you to always woo keep it PG. Good night, everyone. Woo, woo, woo.